On today's episode, Ashley shares the life story and mysterious disappearance of none other than the queen of mystery herself, Agatha Christie. Welcome to Crime Bar. I'm so, oh, no, I'm just out of breath because I was running around. Like a maniac. This is our first recording session in our new basement studio. In our new garage studio. Garage sorry. studio, yeah. I don't think California has basements. Well, it's beautiful and I'm proud and feel blessed to be here. <laughs> just happy to be here. Yeah, just happy <laughs> to be here. Uh, hi. Hi, Ash. I've been excited about your crime because you said that it is something different yeah, than we normally different. focus on. Yeah. Something a little bit more upbeat. Yeah, it's lighthearted. More lighthearted so we yeah. can make jokes and no one will get mad. Oh, jokes galore. Okay, great. Galore. Good. Hopefully I can bring some good material. Mm-hmm. Take a sip. I wish there was a way to, like an easy way to hold my laptop and... To sip this, and, sip and read. Good. Yeah, it is really good. It's fresh. So yeah, this is a lighthearted story. Mm-hmm. It's not a murder. It's not about any crime, really. But, but we're on crime bar. But it does apply. Okay. So it's a little bit different because murder is a bummer. And I was, I get depressed when all I'm doing is researching these dark. Week after week. Week after week. It's just so much. Um, so I'm going to tell you the life story about an OG crime enthusiast who is very iconic. Oh. Who spent her whole life writing about crime. Okay. Can you guess who it is? Is it, what's her face? Um, she passed. Is she alive? Is this one alive? No. Pat Oswald's uh, wife? No. McNamara? <laughs> no. Pat and Oswald's wife? Yeah. Michelle McNamara? Michelle, yeah. No. Okay. Marshall Marshall. <laughs> no. No. Oh, okay. Well, I love her. I love her too, yeah. Um, you going to guess again? No. Who is it? It's Agatha Christie. I don't even know who that is. Are you for real? Is that shameful? Is that like not knowing who the president is? No, but no, okay. I'm not going to shame you for that. I'll enlighten so, you. Okay, enlighten you don't know me. who it is, so Educate I'll tell you. Me. I'm going to tell you her life story. Yeah, she was. Uh, she's a famous crime fiction novelist. Like not ringing any bells right now. Like the most famous. The most famous. The most. <laughs> the, the most famous. The most famous. Ever? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like Ruth Ware. Or oh, honey, she's like present day. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking like current people. I guess. Okay. Anyways. Forgive me. Forgive and forget. Let's move on. Agatha Christie is the most famous crime fiction novelist. So it's she wrote fictional stories. Okay. But it was all about mystery and crime, and she disappeared in 1926. And I would I was gonna ask, did you know that? But you don't know her, so it would be I'm so weird if that. you didn't. Yeah. So, um. Anyways. I'm just going to try to get creative going forward. Like, obviously, we'll still do 
traditional crime, mm-hmm. but like a little autobiography, not autobiography, but a little biography. Yeah, sort of. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> wow me. I think you've said that before. Have wow I? me. Yeah. It's kind of a go-to line. Okay. So I'm going to just get into this. Okay. Agatha Mary Clarissa Miller was born on September 15th, Ooh, 1890. Okay, birthday twins. So she was born almost exactly 100 years mm-hmm. before me. She's a Virgo. Mm-hmm. We love her already. Yeah. Um, totally unrelated to the story that we have almost the same birthday. Yep. But as I researched her more. Similarities? I feel, oh, yeah. she She's a kindred spirit for sure. Okay. In an interview that she gave later in life, Agatha once said of herself, quote, my chief dislikes are crowds, loud noises, gramophones, and cinemas. I dislike the taste of alcohol, and I do not like smoking. I do like the sun, sea, flowers, traveling, strange foods, sports, concerts, theaters, pianos, and doing embroidery. <laughs> well, at least, her, her, at least her list of pros or like favorite things is longer to- than the totally than the cons. yeah. But it was like such a Virgo. Like, I don't like this and I like this and that's that. Yeah. And so take it or leave it. Yeah. Her parents were happily married. Her dad, Frederick, was a New Yorker and her mom, Clarissa, was British. And her family was like kind of well off, like upper middle class, but like not wealthy. Mm -hmm. Agatha was the youngest of three kids and she was raised in this place called Torquay, which is this really beautiful seaside town in the English Riviera. Did you know that England had a Riviera? I did not know that. Well, it does. There's a lot I don't know. Yeah, but it's so pretty. After I was like looking at pictures, I was like, I definitely want to go there. So even though her two older siblings have typical educations, Agatha's mom made a weird judgment call that not only would she be homeschooled, but she also didn't want Agatha to learn to read until she was eight years old. So like in true setback, I don't know. There's no upside, but like a true Virgo. She was like, I'll just do this myself then. All right. And she taught herself how to read at five years old. Amazing. But how do you do that? (laughs) That's what I said. Like, how do you teach yourself how to read? You're asking the wrong person. Okay. So whatever her mom's weird reasoning, all it did was create this very intense imagination for her and this determination to kind of like be a go-getter. Like if someone's not going to do something for her, she'll do it herself. Such a Virgo. So despite being homeschooled and somewhat isolated from her peers because of that, she had a very idyllic childhood. Her family's home was really big and it had this like really large foresty kind of garden that she would just spend hours in and just her imagination ran wild. She'd come up with little stories in it and stuff. No wonder she became an author. I feel like this is like a breeding ground for... Yeah, she said... There's nothing like boredom to get you to start writing. Yeah. So that's kind of like where this was born, Mm -hmm. her desire for writing stories. And then sadly, when she was 11, her dad died. And she said that this marked like that moment in time marked the end of her childhood. And so his death resulted in massive financial stress in her family Mm -hmm. for like the rest of her, you know, I guess when she was home. And some people believe that that's maybe that's why money is often the reason for the crimes that are committed in her novels. Yeah, because the reality of finances started seeping in. Mm -hmm. So as a young lady, Agatha goes to finishing school in Paris and dudes be hitting her up. Because she seems awesome. Yeah. Like literally at one time, 
She had five different guys propose to her. So she was Can trying get one to, over here. <laughs> she was trying to pick between five different guys, like who am I gonna marry? Her roster was was impressive. Overfloweth. Overfloweth yeah. with guys. Guys, I was gonna say something else. Yeah. So she had options. Mm-hmm. Then at a ball thrown by a mutual friend in nineteen so twelve. I know. <laughs> she met Archie Christie. Love that name. Yeah. He was a hottie with a body. Yeah, he's the winner. She later described as having, quote, an air of careless confidence about him. Hot. And I don't know if he has, like, a good body. I just said that because I like that quote. Yeah. But he is super hot. And so I assume with a face like that, probably got an ass that don't quit kind of thing. Um, Do you want to see a picture of him? Yeah, of course I do. He's, He's that attractive. Oh, he's very handsome. Yeah. Hottie. Yeah, he has, he, his lips actually look like yours. Can you see the similarity in shape? It's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I guess maybe that's why I think he's so hot. Yeah, because he looks me. like you. <laughs> <laughs> so he was super cute. She fell really madly in love with him. Confident. But careless confidence. Mm-hmm. What does careless confidence mean? I think just like being aloof, maybe. There's something hot about aloof people where it's like they're not really aware of their, like not, not a lot of things phase them and... Okay. Just kind of like, meh. I guess I read careless confidence and I was like, oh, he's like, he's, I just assumed like careless confidence that that meant like, uh, stuck up or something. I don't know why I thought yeah. that. I didn't just make the stupid assumption. Anyways, he did have a reputation for being a ladies man and Agatha's mom, Clarissa could see how serious her daughter was about Archie and warned her not to marry him. She was like, he's a womanizer. You deserve better. He's not going to treat you right. So don't do this. But all that did was make her want it more. Mm-hmm. Don't relate. relate. I know. Yeah. Oh, you don't relate to that. <laughs> but yeah, it just, it fueled her d- determination yeah. to marry Pursue. him. Mm-hmm. I mean, like she was already madly in love with this guy. Okay. They were madly in love with each other. They're young. It's like new and passionate and fiery and to have someone as close to her as her mom doubt it like that not just doubt it but say like don't do this disapprove yeah completely disapprove it just caused issues really fueled it more then to make things more dramatic like two years into their relationship world war one began and archie was going to get sent away to fight this is literally like a novel in the making right so these two crazy kids are already in love. Yeah, war separates them. Despite the fact that Arch is like a walking, talking red flag. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like that perfect storm of... Some people, sometimes people can change. <laughs> yes, yeah, sometimes they can. Sure. Um, so the way that all good marriages start, they got married in secret to prove the naysayers wrong. Love it. Yeah. And Virgo moon is coming out. And and on uh, Christmas Eve, no less. So, you know, like all the joy in the air and the eggnog and all that stuff just contribute into them feeling like, this is right. This is a good decision. (laughs) I feel that. So Archie is immediately sent away to fight in France. And Agatha volunteered as a nurse in Turkey where she lived, uh, where she cared for wounded soldiers. So they didn't really spend the first few years of their marriage together because they were both separated by war. They'd see each other for like a few days here and there when he was on leave, but ultimately it was just sounds awful marriage on paper. So Agatha had grown up quite privileged and somewhat sheltered, so caring for wounded soldiers in the war was 
eye-opening to say the least. It exposed her to a lot of different characters of all walks of life. So as someone who was always very imaginative and would find inspiration for a new story through every encounter she had, this whole experience inspired her to start working on a draft of her first novel in 1916. And it was called The Mysterious Affair at Styles. And then in 1917, she moved on from working as a nurse and started working as a pharmaceutical dispenser. Okay. So she became very familiar with various poisons because she was working with them day in and day out. Mm -hmm. So then this experience was also very influential when it came to her future career and the novel that she was actually working on at that time. So she finally finishes the novel. And she started shopping around at different publishing houses, but she was rejected six times. So then after the war ended in 1918, Archie came home and the couple moved to London for a few years. In 1919, she gave birth to their daughter, Rosalind. And then finally, in the following year, in 1920, Mm -hmm. her novel gets published. Amazing. It set the tone for the reoccurring themes in many of her stories from in the that she writes in the future, where mm-hmm. it's like a small group of suspects, a death by poisoning, they're in some cottage country home away from the city, etc. And it got rave reviews. Mm-hmm. Her favorite review of the book came from the Journal of Pharmacology that said, the detailed accuracies that Agatha used to describe the poisons in her book was astonishing, which was really... It's impressive. Impressive, yeah. So the success of this first novel resulted in her signing a massive publishing deal that, unbeknownst to her at the time, marked the beginning of what would end up becoming an extremely lucrative 55-year-long career as a crime fiction novelist. So it's shocking to me that you have never heard of her. Yes, I'm embarrassed. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So Archie took some job, like I didn't even bother, I don't even know what it was and I didn't Mm. bother looking at it, but it took him on a 10 month tour of the world essentially. Okay. And being a newly successful writer, Agatha was able to join him all the while still writing more novels. So this was the first time that she had really traveled like this and her sense of adventure really shone for the first time. Like for example, on that trip, during a stop in Hawaii, she became one of the first Europeans to learn how to surf standing up. Oh, my God. Yeah. How cool is that? So she was just, like, down for adventure. Yeah, she's and, awesome. Yeah, and she just had this personality of, like, I'll try anything once. And Go like, with the she flow. Just, yeah. So then going to all of these new places and meeting new people and experiencing new cultures was very inspiring for her mm-hmm. future books. And after their return to England, they decided to leave city life behind and they moved to a really beautiful country home. Lucky. Agatha had a lucrative writing deal and she was publishing one, sometimes two novels a year. So as a gift to herself, she bought a car. Okay. She said that experience was as fulfilling to her as meeting the queen herself. The independence, like providing for yourself is a good good feeling. It's in the 1920s. It's like unheard of. So to be making your own money like that as a female. And to be able to, in the 20s when like people didn't, not everyone had cars, it was a big deal. It really, it it really was a big deal. So during this time in her life, she wrote another novel titled The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. And she Hmm. did. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know that? That rings bells. Oh. Multiple bells. I think, I I think, yeah. Okay. All of these Agatha Christie novels have been turned into shows and movies. So, so even if you don't know the books, like you, there's a lot of... The titles are yeah. Um Anyway, so she did something in this book, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. 
that hadn't ever happened before in this genre. She used the murderer as the story's narrator. And yeah. So that really set her apart from other authors, you know, in this genre. Mm-hmm. It was just at the, at least at the time. That still doesn't completely happen, though, unheard of today. Yeah. So publicly, this chick has it made. Mm-hmm. Like, she has a beautiful child. She has a massive publishing deal. She's making her own money. She's already become a world-renowned, iconic author in just a few years. Okay. She got a hottie for a husband. But, but we all know what we choose to share with the world is not necessarily what's going on. When things look good on the surface, it means other things are a brewing. Mm-hmm. So Agatha said in her autobiography that her story up to now was really wonderful. Okay. But that quote, the next year of my life is one that I hate recalling. As so often in life, when one thing goes wrong, everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So remember Archie and Agatha, they got married but then barely saw each other for the first few years because of the war. So while they had been happy early on, their marriage was really strained by the late 1920s. Archie was clearly a different man after coming back, which is very understandable. It's understandable and it's common. Like, I mean, he was in the war thinking that he could never make it out alive. And then he did. And then he has to go back to normal life and pick up the pieces. Then you have the guilt of survival too. Yeah, so he's just, you know... He just came back different. He was a different person. Yeah. But I also think it's normal. Like they got married so young and You're it's bound so it's, to evolve. It's yeah. So it's normal to just to do that and then realize later as you get older you shouldn't have done that. So in nineteen twenty five, Agatha was on the board of some committee for children's exhibits and she befriended one of her fellow board members, Nancy Neal. And remember that Agatha's mom was like, nah girl, he's a fuckboy, don't marry him. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I love him, I can do what I want. Okay, well, he proved Mama Clarissa right. Yeah. She had been right all along. So it's not clear when this started, but sometime after Agatha introduced her husband to her friend Nancy, Nancy and Archie start a very, very steamy, passionate affair. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. Friggin' Nancy. Mm-mm. Do not approve of that here. And to make it worse he is so enamored with her that he doesn't even bother hiding it from his wife disgusting he's Maybe just that's that careless confidence yeah where he give a damn about anything other than himself that was sort of what i had taken so, it as. so then when it, i got yeah. to this point in the story i was like oh yeah that makes perfect sense mm-hmm. um he's just like so he's in a full-blown relationship with this woman and he doesn't care who knows it they play golf together they go to dinner parties they do weekends away they socialize with friends so he's just fully dating this woman even though everyone knows he's married with a kid at home which just makes his wife look like a fool f- for dealing with that when yeah. she's not she's not the fool no but it's just so like it's that, so hurtful just a betrayal um so there was just there wasn't anything secretive about this affair so obviously this is devastating to agatha this is her husband the father of her child and mm-hmm. she's in love with him and we all hate it when our moms ever are given right. the opportunity to say, I told you so. So that made it even more frustrating for her. But as if this isn't bad enough to be going through, in April of 1926, Agatha's mom, Clarissa, her best friend and her closest confidant, dies unexpectedly. Oh, no. Okay. I mean, she was so close to her mom. And then to have your marriage implode, 
And then to lose your support system. And in such a ruthless manner. Yeah. To, like, I mean, he just, they're like, literally they were married and then he was just like, I'm just going to start dating this other person. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. And so, so yeah. So then lose your mom. It was just Devastating. unimaginable. And Agatha was in charge of emptying her mom's house after she died. So she had to spend months living at her mom's on and off, clearing out and packing up and all that stuff. And she was really open about what a wonderful childhood she had had, what a loving and tight-knit family she was born into, and how her incredible imagination developed at this childhood home and in the gardens and stuff. And that's how it just set the tone for her whole career. So to be in charge of basically dismantling her family home and all of the memories there and during a time of personal crisis and grief her mom is gone her husband is at home sleeping with a much younger woman did I mention that she was much younger oh you didn't need to I could have guessed it and she had you know thought this woman was her friend it's just so awful god if you're listening to this right now because I'm getting like really amped up yeah if you're the other woman Really rethink don't your do life. It. Don't be like that. Don't do that. Don't it's be so that not woman. worth it. It's so gross because if he's going to do it with you, he's going to do it to you. And then like, you know, the person that she would have leaned on, her mom was gone. Yeah. So Archie made no secret of the affair when she was, when Agatha was at home. Mm-hmm. So she knew having to be gone for weeks at a time, maybe even some months at a time. Yeah. He was just relishing. Of like, course. In her absence. So it just the freedom. It, it, yeah. It just made it year worse yeah so one day in august when she's at her mom's packing up archie shows up not to lend a hand not to comfort her nothing like that he showed up to tell her he officially wanted a, a divorce so that he can marry his mistress nancy yep so he just doesn't know how to not kick someone when they're down yeah. or he's he just an asshole one of the two i don't know both. which one both so I'm sure you can imagine how she felt. I'm assuming she felt rage, but mm-hmm. <laughs> crazy rage eyes. Yeah, I want her Archie. <laughs> and she told him, no, sorry, it's not happening. Um, so that kicks off a months-long war with each other. She was not going to be pushed out of her own marriage, and Archie was not going to take no for an answer. So he had already been pretty ruthless before, but now that Agatha was getting in the way of him moving on with his life, yeah. He had this attitude of like, well, how much can I push her and embarrass her more so that she just gives in and gives me what I want? And yeah. she had this attitude of like, you're embarrassing yourself. Like, and you're, she's not wrong about and, that. And I'm so I'm just going to turn a blind eye just to piss you off further. Okay. So this goes on for four months. And then it finally all comes to a head on the evening of Friday, December 3rd, 1926. Archie announces to Agatha that he plans to go on a golfing weekend getaway with his side piece, Nancy. So naturally, he's expecting a huge argument to erupt. She's like, bye, have fun, drive safe. (laughs) But Agatha does that super unsettling thing. Like when you expect someone to blow up on you and then they just get really calm and that's a lot scarier. scarier. So that's what she did. She calmly, methodically gets up and walks out of the room Goes to her room, packs a bag, goes to her daughter's room. Rosalind's asleep, so she kisses her on the forehead. She walks out to the hall, puts on her big 1920s fur coat. Fabulous. Grabs her suitcase. She walks out on Archie. Okay. So. I like that she did it on her own terms. Yeah. So, and she also has a car, remember that. So Mm -hmm. that's a big deal. It's nighttime out in December and... Yeah, I don't know, country England, wherever they 
mm -hmm. in the country. So she has Did a you say country Glen. Country in England. Oh, it's, it's a country glen. Like a, it's a country glen, you know. <laughs> you know I think that's what the Brits call it. I, I have no idea. No, so she gets into her car and, and she has the independence off. and freedom to actually just like leave like that. And she drives off into the night. Okay. So he doesn't do anything to stop her. And that might because it might be because he just doesn't give a shit. No, he's happy she's yeah. gone. Or, yeah, is, she, he got I, what he wanted. I think that's what thought she was doing, just giving him what she wanted and so yeah. he just he didn't try to stop her he didn't question it or anything yeah. like that and obviously given what we know it's not weird that she like walked out on no. him but at 8 a.m the next morning her beloved car was found on an embankment not too far from her home it was parked at a really weird angle and agatha was nowhere to be found an expired driver's license was found inside as well as a suitcase of her clothes okay and her fur coat and it's, remember, this is the 20s, so in December in England, so it's freezing. It's freezing. But also those cars are open air cars. There's no heat. So, but there's no windows either. Do you know what I'm talking no, I about? Get your, it's freezing is what you're saying. Yeah, so for her to leave her fur coat behind was very suspicious. Unless, of course, she was forced to. Or she's the original Gone Girl. So this woman is famous. Mm-hmm. In the scene where her car was found was very suspicious looking. And remember, she's famous for writing mystery Murder. and crime novels. Yeah. So that makes the concept of her mysteriously vanishing that much more scandalous. Of course. So this was massive headline news all over the world. Mm -hmm. Like within a day, it made the front page of the New York Times. Like yeah. it's it's a it's huge a big deal. deal. Yeah. The general public, like, they didn't know about Archie's affair or that he had told Agatha that he wanted a divorce. But obviously, their friends and family knew. Like, he never tried to hide it in their social circles. So it was like an open secret in high society in England. Yeah. So not too long into her disappearance, a reporter learns of the affair and publishes an article about it. So immediately, rumors start swirling that Archie killed his wife in order to be with his mistress. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, obvious theory lots of others start swirling like was she in a state of amnesia did she have to pull over for some reason and then wander off and get lost or did she wander off and fall into like a gravel pit and can't get out was she the victim of kidnapping did somebody random kill her so according to the police reports they were certain in the very beginning that she had been the victim of some type of serious crime but what exactly was to be determined and the search for her was massive. Like for the first few days, it consisted of a thousand police officers with search dogs scouring the field surrounding the area her car was found. There were also over 15,000 volunteer volunteers. It's incredible. Yeah. And this is in the 20s, you said? Mm hmm Okay. They had divers searching nearby lakes and ponds. Anyone who lived remotely near the scene where her car was found was thoroughly and repeatedly questioned. This was just like so salacious that it was almost unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Like what are the odds that the queen of crime, of crime. fiction novels would then be at the center yeah. of a real life mystery? I mean, it, it, it's crazy. Which is why it makes me think when I hear that. Yeah. I'm like. But then also her fan base consists of people who love a good juicy mystery so yes. this it just fed into that even more like if we had a podcast in 1926 it's like all we would be talking about it'd be crazy also if i were this woman and i had been publicly shamed i'm saying in quote shamed because she should not be 
feel shamed for being cheated on by Probably her husband. humiliated. Humiliated, correct. Um, if I were her and I was already defiant about leaving and wanting to leave on my own terms and making that exit and everything, in my head I would say, I'm not going to let this guy go out easy and I'm going to take away any freedom or happiness that he can potentially have without me. So I'm going to disappear and make it look like he did it. Gone girl. Gone girl. Literally the premise yes, of that whole. That is what I feel like she <laughs> must have done. So then three days into Agatha's disappearance, the police scale back the search a little bit because it had come to their attention that within a day of her disappearance, her brother-in-law had received a note that was supposedly from Agatha. And the note stated that she had planned to go out of town for a few days. Mm -hmm. However, the police never located her. So rather than like call off the search as that, as if that was proof, they just scaled it back, I guess. Okay. And obviously if you think her husband did something, then you can just be like, well, it was forged, which a ton of people thought. So they, there was kind of public backlash that the police within three days without finding her decided to scale back. Yeah. So now she has been missing for 10 days. And with every day that nothing new comes up, theories and worldwide attention on this case just increases drastically. I was trying to like come up with an example to try to put into context for younger people like you who may not be too familiar with Agatha's work, like what a big deal this was. And I think without making comparisons between their work, I think it would be like if Stephen King. Or like J.K. Rowling, like the, that yeah. level of author. Yes, but I w- I'm thinking about In like the, the top. But yeah, so gotcha, yeah, gotcha, I guess sorry. if J.K. Rowling was suddenly like had powers, that would be fucking wild. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, like Stephen King writing horror stories, like Him if he get- suddenly lived through a horror story or vanished, like it would be. I thought I meant level of fame, but I get what you're saying. Well, that yeah. I mean that too. It's mm-hmm. level of fame, but the odds of her disappearing being Slim. famous for what she's famous for is crazy. Yeah. And that might not be a good comparison because I don't actually, I'm not like that familiar with either of their bodies I feel like of work. Stephen King is more like, it's definitely more f- horror fiction. And a lot of it is like, there is some fantasy. Like it's, it's supernatural sometimes. Oh, is it? Yeah. So oh. maybe it's well, like, there you go. I don't, I, aliens murdered oh, really? Stephen King. Yeah. He Didn't has some, he he has some body shining? snatcher type. Yeah. He oh, did the did? shining, but he, he's done a couple that are like more science fiction, I think. Okay. Well, I didn't like know the outsider. That. So anyways, she's been missing for 10 days. And a young musician who played in the band at the Old Swan Hotel and Spa went to the police to report a woman he believed to be the missing Agatha Christie. He said he had seen this woman for a few days in a row, always huddled into corners by herself drinking tea and wearing hats and glasses and a big fur coat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the story, this famously missing woman, was front page news everywhere, especially in England. So this dude is like, OMG, I'm going to crack this case. And so he goes to the police and the press had been offering a hundred pound reward. So I thought it was kind of sweet that he, rather than go to the press for that, he went to the police because he was obviously like worried about her well-being. Yeah. So police go to the hotel to investigate this lead and there they find Agatha Christie alive and well and indulging in her 11th day of spa services so she did gone girl that guy i love it yeah go agatha so it turns out that the note that her brother-in-law received like was legit she just didn't say where she was going or how long she'd be gone Mm -hmm. which might just be because she didn't want to be bothered i don't know legend yeah so after leaving archie that night she wound up at the old swan hotel and spa she arrived there the same night 
and she checked in under the name Mrs. Tressa Neal from Cape Town, South Africa. And Neil is the same surname as Archie's mistress, Nancy. So some people feel like it was like an intentional jab. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So she was technically missing for 11 days before being found at this spa. But after being found, the hotel was just swarming with press. So she left to hide out at her sister's for a while. And obviously, it was a massive relief to know that she was perfectly fine. But once everyone put the pieces together, she received a ton. On a backlash. Yeah. Archie told the press that his wife was suffering from stress-induced amnesia and that this was an all some awful misunderstanding situation. Like a perfect opportunity for him to swoop in and pull the like, my wife is mentally unstable card. She yes. needs to be locked away. Right. So the public theories were just like bananas. Like people yeah. were, some people wrote it off as like a publicity stunt for her books, which is dumb because Homegirl was doing just fine before this. And then plenty of the public opinion consisted of scandalous interests, but a lot of the attention she got after being discovered hiding out in a spa was horribly negative. People were ruthless and accused her of wasting tons of money and manpower to find her all because she wanted to punish her husband. I understand that. Like when you have 15,000 people, that could be you being used for people that are actually missing and need your help. Like. And I agree yeah. because so much money, so much manpower. This was, this was headline news everywhere, Yeah, everywhere. And it became more so with every day that she wasn't found. And so it's highly unlikely that while she was at the spa, she didn't, she had to have known. She had to have known. And I think it was clear she was trying to inflict some pain and inconvenience on her no good cheating hubby. He doesn't care, though, but everybody else Yeah, does. but she probably didn't anticipate. I want to believe that she didn't anticipate that it would turn into something so public, like, yeah. and the spectacle at that, you know? Um, but she eventually denied the claims that this was to hurt Archie or to get more pu- publicity for her career. She said that she experienced temporary amnesia. So what he did initially tell reporters is what she then she went backed with. up later, and she went with that. She said she remembers driving away from her home the night that she left Archie. And then she has no memory beyond that. She said the next thing she recalls is coming to at a spa a few days later. And she believes she was a woman named Tressa Neal who was visiting from Cape Town. Then the police arrived and told her she was actually a missing woman named Agatha Christie. And the whole world was looking for her. I want amnesia and then show up at Swan Spa or whatever it's called. Know, like, you know. That is a tourist move right there. I know. You know when you like lie and then you regret it, but you're already in. So you dig your heels and you go further. I feel like that's just all that happened. Agatha never really spoke of the disappearance, but on the topic of the negative attention she received afterwards, Mm -hmm. she said, quote, life in England was unbearable, unbearable from that time, I suppose. And it dates my revulsion against the press, my dislike of journalists and of crowds. I had felt like a fox hunted, my earths dug up and yelping hounds following me everywhere. I had always hated notoriety of every kind, and now I had had such a dose of it that at some moments I felt I could hardly bear to go on living. Mm. So in 1928, Agatha and Archie's divorce is finalized, and he marries his mistress, Nancy, a week later, and he was married to her until his death, until her death. In 1958, which just pisses me off I further because really I like just that. I don't like that it worked. I for don't them. like that it worked. <laughs> no, 
So even though Agatha never directly spoke of her disappearance, some people believe that she did talk about it like in her books. She wrote a handful of novels under the pseudonym Mary Westmacott. And all of these novels were very much the opposite of a typical Agatha Christie mystery novel. So supposedly she chose to speak on it via fiction in one of these books. So I guess that's open Mm -hmm. to interpretation. I don't really know. But to close that chapter in her life, in her autobiography, she wrote, quote, I knew the only hope at starting again was to go right away from all the things that had wrecked life for me. There could be no peace for me in England now after all I had gone through. So, you know, after like a breakup, women usually do something drastic, like Like get bangs or something. Yeah. Yeah. So she needed that, but she didn't get bangs. She traveled on the Orient Express to Istanbul and then to Baghdad. So she eat, prayed, love. Basically, yes. (laughs) She needed to just see new places and meet new people and just experience some adventure away from England. So Meghan Markle, actually, I just realized that. So this ended up becoming one of many trips that she would take that heavily inspired some of her later novels like Murder on the Orient Express. Okay, so I've heard of that. Yeah, and Death on the Nile. Heard of that. On one of these trips, some friends of hers introduced her to an adorable archaeologist named Max Malowin. Wholesome. Yeah. They met during a dig in Iraq, and Max had been stuck with the job of giving Agatha a tour of the area. So they get into this like open air Jeep and he has to just drive her around the desert. Her life is a movie. Yeah. So he said during the tour, their car got stuck in like a sand ditch. Of course. So he starts stressing because they are stuck in sweltering heat. Yeah. And he doesn't know how he's going to dig this car out by himself and get this fairer sex back Mm -hmm. to the campground. But to his surprise, Agatha took it in stride. Yeah. She laughed and got out of the car, rolled up her sleeves, and got to work trying to move the car with him. Love her. Wait for it. And he looked at her and thought to himself, now she would make a wonderful companion in life. <laughs> a what? Uh-oh. Like I read that and it was just like, oh, that's, that's so the sweetest sweet. thing ever. Yeah. Or why did our eyes both get bloodshot? I know. I don't and know. And why are we awkward <laughs> all of a sudden? I don't know. <laughs> that's so, lovely. Max ended up being the great love of Agatha's life. They got married in 1930 and got to work building an amazing life together. Because he was an archaeologist, he traveled all over the world for digs. And because she was an extremely successful boss-ass bitch of a novelist, Mm -hmm. she had the freedom to be able to travel with him. Yeah. And part of what set her apart from other writers was her ability to see all of these exotic places in person. And these places were always the inspiration for her future novels. So she had this incredible ability, which I know is true of all writers, but she, her work specifically, the way that she could describe the location of some places foreign to most people as like Baghdad mm-hmm. would make someone, even though you've never been there, mm-hmm. truly feel transported to this place because she was living in these areas and describing them so accurately she in her stories. So that like, yeah. So she just, that also set her apart, yeah. especially in her, her later books. books yeah. Then during World War II, Max was sent to North Africa and Agatha moved to London. And again, just like in the first World War, she worked as a nurse with wounded soldiers. So even living through like air raids and war torn London and all of that, mm-hmm. she still continued writing more novels. 
She even once wrote an entire novel in one weekend. Well, it's probably therapeutic. I feel like as like a way of coping to transport yourself out of like sure. the overwhelming doom. Yeah. It might be nice to escape by with that. So after the war, Agatha and Max continued traveling the world together. She continued publishing wildly successful novels. Tons of them have been turned into film and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1971, she was styled a dame. I don't actually know what? what that is, but I know in England it's like a big honor for women to be styled a dame, and then you start putting dame before your name, like okay. Dame Judy Dench. Ashley. Oh, what? I was well, yeah, we would be you. like Dame Ashley and Dame Anna. Yeah. yeah, I think I don't, I don't understand. And I thought about like adding all that, and now I wish I had, but whatever. It's an honor. Yeah, it's a big honor, and she was styled that in 1971. So Dame Agatha Christie died peacefully at her home in 1976 when she was 85 years old. Guinness World Record lists Agatha as the best-selling novelist of all time. Wow. Her novels have sold roughly 3 billion copies. Out of the world's most widely published books, her work comes in third place behind Shakespeare and the Bible. What? How I know, did I that's not why hear I about don't, this human? That's why I don't know how you don't know her. I, I mean, I feel like I've known her titles. I know, yeah. the, but I just didn't put the name to it. Her work has been translated to 103 languages. Back in 1952, Agatha wrote a play titled The Mousetrap. This is the longest running play in history. It was only discontinued on March 16th, 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Wow. So it had had almost 30,000 performances by the time it was shut down. It's a good it's a good run. <laughs> yeah. On the show's 10th anniversary, Agatha gave a very rare interview. She was very private, so she didn't really do that kind of thing. When asked how she thought the show was so phenomenally successful, she humbly said, I don't know. People like it, but who can say why? It's fair. <laughs> yeah. And that is the... Life story and scandalous disappearance of Agatha Christie. That was awesome. And ladies, if you're listening to this, just get through your Archies, power through. Power through. We all have a few Archies in our past. You will meet your Max. You will meet your Max Malowin. And he will look at you and he will say, you would make a wonderful companion in life. Yes. And it'll all be worth it. You know, it's so funny that I... Read, I like obviously when we're researching the story, then we read through it a few times before we actually like record it. So I read that so many times and I thought it was so sweet. And then as soon as I said it out loud and I saw you react to it, I reacted too. Well, I think there's one one thing I've noticed, like as I've gotten older, is there are key phrases that just get me every single time. So if you were to say something that is incredibly kind, it might not hit me the way that like maybe the next line would, Mm. but something being told that you would be an excellent companion. Or like, because it's such an honor to be selected to spend someone your life with somebody. Like, yeah. I just think that that's the biggest honor in the world. Yeah. So then for someone to recognize that in you and be like, I, it's ultimately saying, I'll never get sick of you. Yeah. Like you're special enough that I'll never get tired of you. Mm-hmm. So that stuff makes me emotional. Last night, Brett and I were laying in bed watching Netflix and we watched that new like docu-series called My Love. I haven't heard of that. Oh my gosh. It's so really it's about like each episode follows a different elderly couple who's like been together forever and it just like follows them like in their little life and so we only watched the first one i'm gonna watch the next one tonight but the first one is this really sweet little old couple in vermont 
who are like maple tree farmers and they just like they're so sweet and the whole time i was just choked up watching like how like they're just sweet and they're just following them in their little life and it's just like so adorable and there's just something about it that like makes me in one of the trailers it shows a like a an older couple on the beach and he's mm-hmm. they're putting sunscreen all over each other but they're just like so old and so sweet and taking just care of each other and it just like makes me cry just yeah. watching the trailer no i don't blame you because i feel like so many people give up on each other you know year mm-hmm. three year four year five because it's too hard or there's just other options or it's just not really worth pushing yeah. through when things are just so disposable and yeah. convenient to you know rematch yeah and there's something that's so incredible about you know just even my grandparents that's why I look up to them so much is you know it hasn't always been easy you know that they're going to have issues the same way that we do they're just different yeah and to stick through that that love is like that unconditional love is unimaginable and yeah something to look up to yeah so I don't know was that an interesting story it was very interesting and I like that we tied it in with a little love podcast talk oh yeah I didn't mean for that to happen but like uh good sometimes I was like researching different stories and I saw that it came up in this article like uh Agatha Christie's disappearance and I knew who she was Mm -hmm. and I I've seen tons of her her stuff yeah and I was like what the fuck how did I not know she disappeared yeah oh my god so I started doing all this research and then I found out it was straight up a gone girl situation she did not disappear like in that way Mm -hmm. so that I just found her really interesting really interesting that and something lighthearted because next week is going to be brutal. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry to be that girl every week. That's okay. Yeah, but it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, can I cheers you? Yeah. And, okay. and say goodbye to you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you enjoy listening. We owe everything to the many journalists, authors, filmmakers, psychiatrists, and psychologists whose extensive work and expertise we pulled from to share this episode with you. For all of our detailed source material, please visit our website, thecrimebarpodcast.com. If you'd like to see content from today, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Crime Bar Podcast. We really love doing this show, and if you'd like to help the continued creation of it, you can support by donating to our Patreon, which we have linked on our website as well as our Instagram, patreon.com slash crimebarpodcast. This episode was hosted by Ashley Brumley-Johnson and Ana Katarina. We'll see you next week.